I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks, and happy 2023. We are actually recording now in 2023. This is January 2nd, and it's wild to be in a new year. Loving it. Last year ended a little rocky with both of our football teams losing. Boo. Boo. On New Year's Eve. So I'm ready. Let's start fresh. Start over. 2023. Here we go. I love it. Brittany, before we jump into the episode, I have two things for you. First off, in our last episode that we released today, you said by now you will have booked a trip, a vacation. Have you done that? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's a negative. Have you gotten closer? That's a really great reminder, though. So I'm going to write that down. Book (laughs) a trip. Um, I did actually talk about it today. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So, well, okay, fair enough. Kind of, (laughs) yes. So I do know that I'm going (laughs) to Florida at the end of April. And so I talked about extending that to see my nephew in a play that he is starring in. Yeah. Oh, cute, cute. Okay. But I really need some beach time. I mean, yeah, it's Florida, but it'd be nice to go to beach. How about you? Oh, I've got like four vacations booked. So what? I know. I don't. How do I be you for like <laughs> a month? Like, if I could just be you for a month and get, like, my life in order, that would be amazing. (laughs) Then I could go back to being me and just, like, breeze right through. Okay, this is really not content for this episode, but I'm going to share it with people. And if you want more of this, go join our Patreon because this is the kind of stuff we should be talking about over there. But uh, this is, like, the most Nia story ever, so I have to share it. Uh, Let's hear it. So we're in Michigan. We are part of the many, many thousands of Southwest flights that get canceled, right? Oh, that's right. You were part of that. So like it was two nights before we were supposed to leave. And I was like, oh, gosh, this could be us. And I start researching. My husband has a lot of travel anxiety. So I was like, I'm not going to stress him out about it until we know. I wake up the next morning to his phone pinging. And I'm like, who is texting at 630 in the morning? Oh, shit, it's Southwest. Our flight has been canceled. At this point, it is the Tuesday after Christmas, so 12-27. Nobody can get us back to Denver till Friday night at the earliest, and Colin has to be back at work Thursday morning. Uh-oh. So I am looking, I'm searching. Even the flights on Friday are going for three grand. Oh, my God. I'm looking at Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee. Who can get us out of this goddamn state? Yep. And I'm doing all of this while he is still sleeping, has no idea anything's going on. <laughs> So I do all the research. I figure out what we need to do. I go downstairs. I get him a coffee. I come back. I rub his back. Hey, hon, I need you to wake up. Here's some fresh coffee. Go to the bathroom. We've had some travel changes. I have a recommendation. (laughs) And I already had it like pulled up, calculated. This is what it's going to cost to rent a car. Here's where we should stop for the night. Boom, 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 boom. And within an hour, we had booked all of that and had checked out of the hotel on our way. Oh, my God. Colin better treat you right, because otherwise I'm going to marry you. I'm going to come in. (laughs) 
That's amazing. It was And wild. you got home in time. And we got home. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah, these travel snafus have been next level these last couple of weeks, for sure. Well, good. So here we are. First content episode. Nope, just kidding. One came out today. But our first, first recording. One that, first recording in 2023. What are we going to talk about? Well, real quick first, I got to give a shout out. We've got three new Patreon subscribers. Stop it. Holler. And I just love the idea that people are like hanging out over the holidays, listening to us and being like, you know who needs a little love right now? The nonprofit reframe. So to Leah, Angela and Virginia, thank you so much. We love that you're here. Yay. Thank you. And to all of our other listeners, if you're wanting a shout up of your own, head on over patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe and you'll find us. Not only will you get the bonus episodes that come out on in between our content episodes. So, for example, next week, you would hear something that we just recorded. You're going to want to hear it because we said a lot of really good stuff. But you can only hear it if you're a Patreon member. So make sure you go there and subscribe. Okay, so now what we're covering today. Okay. Hit me. This this topic came from a listener. Shout out to Ellen who brought this forward to us. Today, we're going to explore some some of the buy one, give one corporate philanthropy. Are you familiar with the concept? I think I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about like if you buy a pair of shoes, they give a pair of shoes, that kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. So buy a pair of shoes, give a pair of shoes. That's Tom's. They were really some of the earliest ones to adopt this kind of philanthropy, but also the ones who made it big. Yes. First and foremost, have you owned a pair of Toms? Yes, many. And how did it make you feel when you bought them? Well, yeah, of course. You're like, if I'm going to spend money on something that I need, like shoes, I might as well spend it on something that is also going to help someone else. Right. Exactly. Part of why Toms and many other companies that have adopted that were so successful, were being the operative word, Toms has had a rough go. I know, I can't wait. Was because later Gen X, which I'd put you in, millennials and Gen Z are much more careful about their purchases and want social good to be happening at the same time, right? Like that cause marketing thing is a big deal. And so when you can say, yes, you can get this product that you want, this tangible good and do good at the same time, that really hits to the values of those types of consumers. Yep. And Tom saw that. So they start this whole thing and it's it's been adopted by a number of other companies, sometimes in very literal terms, like we will give exactly the same product to someone else or more, you know, ethereal terms where it's like we're going to give the the price of a shoe to some somebody in need. And they've had varying degrees of success. I looked at three specific companies in advance of this episode Um, because their implementation of the philanthropy was a little bit different. And I thought it'd be helpful to contrast. And I feel like they're all companies that most people have heard of. So Tom's, we know. We got shoes. Okay. We got Warby Parker. Glasses. The glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bombas socks. And I have actually worked at an organization that received those donations. The Bombas donations? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So I'm going to start with Tom's just because we're going to go kind of chronologically here. So Tom's. Oh, Tom's. Do I have a lot to say about them? Blake Mikowski. Yeah. Is that his name? 
They're also uh, the ones that I want to pick on the most, which is why we're going to start with them. So Blakey Boy mm-hmm. first hit a lot of headlines, actually, because he was on The Amazing Race. And while he was oh. on The Amazing Race, <laughs> are you just putting that together, too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He visited Argentina and was like, that's a beautiful country. I need to go back. So in 2006, he goes back. He was like, oh, my gosh, these kids don't have shoes. What the fuck? But also he was like, but all these other people have shoes and I really like the design. I'm going to make those. Mm -hmm. So his entire structure is based on cultural appropriation. Oh, let's just start there. Oh, so you say these other people, you meant like down in Argentina. In Argentina. So he took the design of the Tom shoes from, yeah, that was kind of left out of the story. I did not know that. Yeah, so weird um, that they didn't, like, put that front and center. Yeah, so that that shoe style where it's got, like, some sort of natural material at the bottom and then some sort of cloth at the top. Like, in a lot of other cultures and even in the U.S., we'd call that, like, an espadrille. Right. Or, I mean, that's clearly the anglicized version of that. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, in Argentina, they have these shoes, alpargadas, which are basically espadrilles, and they're everywhere. It's like the most common shoe. And Blake sees that and he's like, yes, I want to make this for the masses in America. I want to do it in higher quality product that lasts longer. And then for those poor kids in Argentina, I'm going to give them some too. So yeah, an entire business built on cultural appropriation. Yep. But also you've got this white guy and he says like, there are a ton of interviews. I listened and watched a bunch of them where he was just like, I saw this hardship. And so I came up with this solution. Right. He didn't talk to anybody about it. (laughs) Like savior mentality. Oh, total savior. Classic savior mentality. Totally. Yeah. I witnessed something. I determined that that was a problem and I knew how to fix it. Right. Exactly. Which, of course, we know like there there is a lot of issues with that. But my favorite part is uh, there was research done on Tom's. There's an outside research firm that came came in, did a bunch of research. One of them actually even came in from the government and did some research to see, like, are these shoes helping? And funny enough, they did jack shit. Wait, what do you mean? So they, so first of all, who's the, who commissioned this research group to come in? Do you know? There are are a few different versions. Um, So Tom's commissioned one of them. Okay. But then there's another and even there, while you're pulling that up, even there said, like, this hasn't been effective. Yeah. So the World Bank Group. Okay. The World Bank Group specifically looked at the impact of Tom's shoe donation program in rural El Salvador. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read this because this is so great. Like, they did this whole study. You know, they looked at, like, over 1,500 kids. And Tom's is out there saying, like, it's going to improve educational outcomes because they're going to be able to get to school and they're going to be able to do homework and health outcomes because... They're not going to be getting diseases from their feet. (laughs) Look at you laughing. I can't. It's just so funny. We find generally insignificant impacts on overall health, foot health, and self-esteem, but small positive impacts on school attendance for boys. Children receiving the shoes were significantly more likely to state that outsiders should provide for the needs of the family. So this is the unintended impact, right? Now we've got this dependence with these kids thinking that the way that they survive and thrive is by outsiders coming and providing them what they need. Oh, shit. Yep. So not only did it not do the things that Tom said it was doing, 
it actually had pretty negative impacts. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I go back to cause marketing, right? And that that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what this is, is a marketing tool. And conversations that I have with clients all the time about how donors really like tangible things, right? They like to know like, oh my gosh, I gave a pair of shoes because of my purchase. I gave a pair of shoes because as you're talking, I'm thinking like, I get the intention, right? What would have been a better way to create impact, right? Or to, or to help, right? And so would it have been better, uh, like percentage of proceeds goes to fund organizations that are already doing work in these areas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's just say, right? Easy. But can you get people, um, is that enough? Like, can you get people, it goes back to that one-to-one, right? Even like with matches, when we talk about matches and how donors, like they, they uh, respond to a dollar for a dollar, you know? And so it becomes so simple to say, buy a pair of shoes, give a pair of shoes. And from a marketing standpoint, it works. Yeah. But the end result, like, the the you know beneficiary like that doesn't work that way well then the second issue came about oh no second or maybe third i don't know there are a lot of issues with toms so blake well at this point actually they've got a much larger leadership team and they're struggling to find people who still need shoes interesting they've basically met the need but is it because of them that people don't need shoes no no (laughs) So no. it wasn't as big of an issue as he yeah, exactly. originally thought it was. And so as Tom's really scaled, especially in the U.S. and had big success, they didn't have a philanthropy team that was making enough connections in the right places to be able to distribute the shoes effectively. Yeah, that's another question I have. Do these companies create, do you know, do they create foundations? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It's a mix. Um, all three of the companies that we're talking about today are certified B Corps. So it is part of their business model, like this give back thing. So B Corps are less likely to have foundations because they want it as part of their operations. Okay. Huh. Okay. Wow. The final note on Tom's is uh, they don't do it anymore. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> They just stopped it all together? Yep. Yep. Just like, can't do it anymore. I mean, they've had significant financial strain. So, um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they file for bankruptcy soon. <laughs> they've had some consolidations and buyouts and, and stuff like that. But yeah, a couple of years ago, they stopped. And so now they say they give a third of profits to grassroots good. Well, very, very vague. Very vague. They do have three areas. And um, I saw, or maybe it was a podcast, but there were, somebody was analyzing and saying, you know, the the international aid is having a harder time connecting with Gen Z. And so if we're going to make this product really accessible to the next generation, we need to make our philanthropy that, that way. So they've added things like um, gun safety, gun violence as one of their areas of philanthropy in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did also, I I think it was the same article, and 
y'all check the show notes. There are going to be a ton of references for this. But in one of them, <laughs> they were like, yeah, so we're going to make this more attractive to Gen Z. The problem is the shoes are still ugly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I fully admit I have loved me sometimes. And again, like, I think that the model hits on something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as a consumer, I want to do good with my consumerism, too. Exactly. And so it really sucks when, like, it's broken down like this and you're like, oh, shit, it actually did harm. Awesome. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, what about... So that so Tom's is one of the, would you say, like, founders of this model? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they have suffered through the lessons learned, whatever. So some of these newer companies, have they changed or adapted in a way that would make it more effective? Oh, my God. It's like, you know where I'm going. We share a brain. So let's talk about Warby Parker. Love it. So Warby Parker glasses. Um, similarly, have you ever owned a pair? No. Nor have I. But they have the same concept. Buy a pair of glasses, give a pair of glasses. But they have done it a little bit differently. Instead of saying they are going to do direct manufacturing and distribution of glasses, they're taking it a bit more metaphorically. Okay. So this is directly from their website. To help address this problem, we work with a handful of partners worldwide, which is really important as well, right? They're working with partners on the ground doing this work. To ensure that for every pair of Warby Parker glasses purchased, a pair of glasses is distributed to someone in need. There are two models we employ. Number one, empowering people to administer basic eye exam and sell glasses at ultra affordable prices. And they say in parentheses, this accounts for the majority of our distribution. And number two, directly giving vision care and glasses to those in need via cross sector partnerships. I like that. Yeah. First and foremost, like I just like that level of transparency. Like, you know, it's not just us throwing glasses out of a plane over Uganda. (laughs) (laughs) But do they still use that terminology, like buy a pair, give a pair? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's not entirely free and that's okay. Like um, I looked at um, their primary partner, which is Vision Spring. Have you ever heard of Vision Spring? Mm -mm. So it's a big you know, vision supporting organization. They do exams, they do, um, you know, basic vision care. And in a lot of high needs communities, um, they've got affiliates in India and Pakistan and all over the world. So Warby Parker specifically calls them out as like their primary partner in distributing um, all of this. I can't tell based on the financials, which of course I looked at, <laughs> how much of their donated items are from Warby Parker versus some of the outright donations. But in their last version of audited financials, there was $50,000 worth of in-kind glassware um, that the organization received. I would assume a lot, a lot of that's from Warby Parker. Okay. But I just really like that this organization is very much on the ground, very much in these communities and helping with the distribution Um, Because that was one of the other issues with Tom's. Sometimes they had like local organizations. Sometimes they really didn't. And they were just distributing to these massive U.S.-based groups who didn't really have the local ties and connections. And then some who were even requiring that um, they, like participants, go through other programs to receive Tom's shoes. Oh. 
So like they were adding stipulations onto the donations. Yeah. Versus the Warby Parker model where they're also allowing this organization, Vision Spring, to use their funds and their glasses as a social enterprise. Right. So it's also just like that building momentum of philanthropy. They're helping this organization be equipped in so many different ways. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The last one, then, is Bombas. Yeah. Bombas sacks. Okay, two things on this. I genuinely did not know that they had a buy a pair, give a pair model until last week. Oh, really? But really? you but you knew of the company? Oh, yeah. I see their ads all the time. Interesting. And I bought some of their socks off of the ads. <laughs> oh, so you saw the... Wait, before you knew? Before I knew. Be- Oh, you bought them before you knew. Well, what were they saying in the ads that got you to buy them? They just look really comfortable. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're so funny. You're hysterical. But the ads that I've seen recently, they explicitly say, because they talk about how the socks are the most needed item in homeless shelters. Yes. And so, yeah. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, So a podcast they listen to, again, which I will link, specifically said that Bombas is quieter about their buy one give one because first and foremost, they want it just like part of everything they do. They don't want it to feel like it's just there for marketing and they want to be able to put out just a really good product. And they said that millennial and Gen Z don't want it to be as overt because it can feel, um, oh gosh, how do they put it? It, it, Just like we see through it, right? Like they're, they're just doing it. Yeah. Not genuine. I wonder, I genuinely wonder though, if you and I are getting different ads because of our age difference. Oh my God. What? Are you just trying to find another way to call me fucking old? No. <laughs> I, I see so many Bombas ads and I've never once seen their buy one, give one mentioning of homeless shelters, anything in any of the ads. But I saw it on TV. Well, cause TV's for old people. Oh my God. How many times? In this episode, can you call me old? Let's find it. But no, like genuinely, like, like the ads are for a different demographic on TV. Fair enough. Okay. So all I'm saying is they've got some smart marketing people. So Bombas is different for me because the origin story, and it has been told many places by many people, and it all like really starts the same way, was because of the need at homeless shelters, not because they had socks to sell. Right. They weren't a sock company that was looking for a marketing ploy. They were people who saw a need who said, let's create a sock company. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which I really love. Yep. And then, so Warby Parker and Tom's can both kind of shift their products that they distribute, right? Like it's not the same Tom's that we get in the U.S. that gets distributed to Argentina. Oh, get out. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll say, as of late, it's because they're using more in-country manufacturers. Sure, whatever. Okay, okay. Bombas said, we are going to make different things, but because homeless folks have different needs. So we're going to make most of the things we distribute black, so it doesn't show stains as much. We're going to make it more size um, adjustable, like things that have more stretch, so it can fit different people coming in. We're going to really reinforce the soles of our socks. Yep. Because yep. we don't want them to wear through. Right. I, I mean, love that. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I feel like I'm such, I'm the cynic 
I assume capitalism has gotten the best of everybody. No corporation can be trusted. But goddamn, Bombas is getting me. Oh, look at you. But you're also their target market. I am their target market. <laughs> <laughs> so they have researched the hell out of what you want to hear. Goddamn, it's working. <laughs> and they are delivering. Yes. Yeah. Good job on them. Well, right. Exactly. It's like kudos either way. I know. <laughs> so they're like, okay, we've got this need. The number one thing for folks coming into homeless shelters that they say they want are socks. We can make them. Let's do it in this way. And, you know, one of the other things I, I saw um, was like the, the financial models for how these buy one, give ones work. Like, do we charge a premium for our primary product that goes to consumers? And then... Are we able to do something less expensive that can be our give one? And that differential is what works. Do we just sell a less expensive product that we can make a ton of and distribute? And so Bombas is somewhere in the middle of that. Like they, their socks are more expensive for sure. There's no way to get around it. But you also have the thought process of like, okay, I'm going to pay $15 for a pair of socks, but it's really two pairs of socks. It's one for me and one for somebody else. And so totally. that's the kind of equation that gets people being like, okay, I'm willing to do this for high quality socks. Totally. Totally. And for us living out here in Colorado, it's like you pay $25 for a pair of smart wools. I know. So. <laughs> it, in this, uh, it's actually a Harvard Business Review podcast I was listening to where they're talking about Bombas. Both the interviewer and the person talking were like, yeah, I mean, they're really pricey, $15. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, what are you even talking about? I just spent like yeah. 22 bucks for a smart wolf last week. <laughs> but I exactly. do get it. Like for and everyday socks. And that was just socks. one pair. And that was yeah. just one pair. That was one pair. I don't I don't know anything about smart wolves philanthropy. Yeah. That's next episode. Next episode, yeah. So anyway, Bombas does this. And then they work with direct providers on the ground. And they really do try to make it pretty accessible. Right now, their um, online application is um, closed because they have too many partners. But my understanding and talking to some other folks, it was a pretty straightforward application. You have to show that you're working with people with high needs. So right now, they boast 3,500 giving partners across the U.S. Wow. Yeah. I think that's grown. I mean, I'm sure it has. Of course it has. But it's grown considerably because when they first got started is when I was working for a homeless homeless youth shelter. And I mean, don't quote me on this, but I feel like when we got our first quote unquote shipment of them, I don't believe we even asked for them. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you say that because I looked up on their current list to see if that organization is listed and they're not. So I wonder if initially they had done some of the outreach, figured out who were the players, and then since then realized that they needed just a ton more partners and so opened up an online application. Where are they based out of? Do you know? Oh, no, I don't. Sorry, I'm stumping you. I'm just curious if they're in this area. I've, are they Utah? Am I making that up? Oh, God, I don't know. We'll look and find out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. So I, when you started talking about it, I was wondering if they had created, since then, created an online application system. And if it's something that, yes, like they're not seeking out partners their people are now coming to them. Yeah. So they have an online ap application, but right now it's closed because they have too many pending applications. Interesting. And I wonder how they got the word out to everybody. Yeah. I mean, clearly 
some sort of ad was working better than what I've seen. <laughs> it's trying, it's telling me that they're in New York. Okay, that makes sense. But anyway, okay, so those are the three examples. I think it's important that we pull back. Let's do it. And talk about what this kind of corporate philanthropy really means, though, because it goes beyond we're going to just distribute funds to organizations doing good work to becoming this intermediary. We've got goods or services that can be used. And I feel really conflicted because there's part of me that thinks, okay, if if shoes are really a need, then who better than a shoe manufacturer to be able to get those at really low costs to these communities instead of the local organizations having to buy them at retail prices, et cetera, right? Like there, there is that piece. The problem obviously is when it's the organ or the companies putting that onto the organizations. We have these shoes you are going to take. We we have found this need. Nobody told us it existed. We didn't talk to y'all, but here we've we've solved it for you. That's when it's an issue. Right. Well, and I'm even going back to your comment about like Bombas wasn't a sock company. But at the end of the day, did they even really need to create a sock company? Could they have just worked with other sock companies? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, again, Bombas continues to be like the shining star in all of this for me. Like they, they've expanded. I mean, you're loving them. Uh, you're, you're sold. You're sold. They've expanded their inventory. But based on the next round of needs that they're hearing from homeless shelters. So they've added underwear and t-shirts. So like yeah, yeah. being so I have heard that. driven by the need, so driven by what the community is saying is really amazing. Of course, I have a lot of questions about what that actually looks like and how they're getting that information and what that transparency looks like more broadly. But if that if what they're saying is how it's happening, that's fucking awesome. But they're still for profit. Yeah. They're still trying to make money. Sure. Yeah. And so I'm curious about that too, of how do you, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? I get it. Like it's a business, they want to make money, but I just, I'm curious where that line is, right? Between profit and mission. You know, we've created these two, like, oh, you're a nonprofit. So this means you shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, you're for, for profit, which means you are. But these companies are really riding that line. And I just kind of want to be in their boardrooms when they're making decisions to hear what values, like, where does that drive for making revenue, for increasing revenue, like, how does that intersect with? their mission and their need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can go full Marxist, no ethical consumption or capitalism kind of stuff. <laughs> no, but, I'm just curious. Like, I, I think it's really cool what they're doing. And I think that it's probably there's two forces that are kind of contradictory. Totally. I, I was going to stick with you on that because uh, while doing research, I was just listening to some coverage of B Corps and you know, what causes the company to want to become one and all the steps they have to go through. Um, and I was listening to one actually with my favorite lotion brand, EO. And it's a, a former husband-wife team. They have since divorced. But they're talking about this and she's talking about all of the like, the touchy-feely good stuff. And then he comes in and he's like, and we have to make money. 
Right. And for a minute there, I got like caught up in it. And I was like, right, yeah, like you still have to make money. And to what extent you have to make money, of course, is a big question. And what you do with that money is a big question. But this is still a capitalist society. And they do still have to make money because otherwise they won't exist. Yeah. Well, so where do you see this evolution? So if, um, I mean, it's kind of a bold question, but if Bombas is kind of the leader now in this space, where do you think that that evolves to? Well, I would like, first and foremost, for that to be solidified. Like, I feel like Tom's has been the name for so long. Even when their profits started dwindling, it was still like, Tom's is the name. They're doing the thing. Can we replace it with companies like Bombas who are doing philanthropy better, who are really listening to the needs and meeting them, who aren't appropriating their fucking products and then giving shoes to the kids? Right. Right. Yep. So like, let's lift up those brands um, and continue to require transparency as consumers. Like, I think that is the most important thing that we as individuals can do. Um, Like, I love going on to these these pages and having them say exactly how much money is distributed, where it's going to, how they're partnering with them. Like Warby Parker did a really good job of listing out all their partners and specifying this is our, our primary one. We do the most work with them. Like they're really trying to, to give us the roadmap of how this work is being done. And I think for any buy one, give one kind of thing to work, they have to do that. Um, And I also think Warby Parker does a good job of saying, yeah, it's buy one, give one, but Right. In these ways. So you still feel like that's tangible, but we are we're also going to be transparent enough to say we're doing it by also giving vision exams and like all these other things. I like that, too. Well, cool. Thank you, Ellen, for this topic. I know. And it feels especially appropriate in January when I'm just like, I don't want to buy anything. There's too much stuff everywhere. Yeah. So like just just reflect on our consumerism for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, like just coming off of the giving season and we were all making those decisions of where we want to spend our money, right? And that's when these companies, uh, when that marketing strategy really rises to the top. Yep, absolutely. All right, folks. Well, um, you should email us. Um, Ellen gave us this topic. I bet you've got some good ones in your brain rattling around. Let us know. Nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Make sure you hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind the scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors, Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at BrittanyWilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy, and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at MissionLaunchCo.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.